You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. The title of the message this morning is Original Intent. I do have three points, but it's going to be a stretch. So come with me, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Kings is in the Old Testament. It's before the book of 2 Kings. It's after the book of 2 Samuel, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. I think the words are behind me. Are they behind me? They're behind me. All right. This is what it says. It says, and Elijah the Tishbite, which sounds painful, but it's not. (laughs) Elijah the Tishbites of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. Ahab was the king. Ahab was the king of Israel. He was the king over the land. So Elijah the Tishbites of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, who is the king, El Presidente, who is the king over the land, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. There will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these few moments, these precious moments I have with these beautiful, beautiful people. And Father, I know that you want to minister. You don't want one person to leave the same way they walked in. You want to empower. You want to elevate. You want to uh, enlighten these magnificent sons and daughters of yours so that they can go out and be the the hope and the change that the world desperately needs. So bless these people, I pray in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. And everybody that believes that said, amen. 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 I love that. I love that. It's, It's almost audacious. There will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. A little arrogant. How can he say, shouldn't he be saying, hey, there will not be dew nor rain these years except at God's word? But Elijah said, there will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Except at my word. That's because Elijah, Elijah had so separated, so consecrated himself that he had made a decision that his word, God's word, were going to become his words. The first of the original intents that I want you to understand that God wants you to walk in is a thing called authority. The first of the three points today, if I can get to them, is authority. Authority. God created Adam, God created man in his image and his likeness back in Genesis. And God blessed them in verse 28 and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Exercise dominion. Dominion. Dominion means we get the word dominate out of dominion. We also get the word kingdom out of dominion. A kingdom is a king's dominion. Dominion means what you rule over. You were created to rule over the earth. You were created to rule over a territory. You were created to rule over your house. You were created to rule over a a region. So God says to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, beasts of the field. 
You were created to exercise dominion. Satan stole that dominion in Genesis 3 because in Genesis 3, he comes, the serpent comes, and he says, has God really said? Has God really said? When, when, when we separate ourselves from the Word of God, how, how many people know that, that uh, you know, as, as handsome and as robust and as athletic as Pastor Michael Hundley is, if he had a race with a, a leopard, he's going to come off second best. <laughs> the leopard would probably just, just by a nose, just probably by a nose. <laughs> if, if Michael, who is very, very strong, Lisa said he's very strong. She feels very secure in his arms. But if Michael was to try and wrestle a bull rhino, <laughs> he might come off second best. So man, man is dominated by the strength, the agility, the speed of the animal kingdom, and yet man rules over the animal kingdom. Man rules over the animal kingdom. Why is that? Because you and I bear what is known as the Imago Dei, the image of God. And God introduces himself in Genesis as a speaking God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, formless void, empty, darkness covered the face of the deep, Spirit of God hovering, face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let there be a firmament, and it was so. Then God said, let dry ground appear, and it was so. Then God said, let the seas be gathered, and it was so. And then God said, let the ground produce, and it was so. Then God said, and it was so. Then God said, and it was so. Then God said, and it was so. Everything that God said, the Bible says, and the Lord said, and it was so. God created with his mouth, and then he created man, and he gave man a mouth. The reason he gave man a mouth was so that you could, you could fulfill your design, your designation, your destiny of walking in authority. In Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Jeremiah is arguing with God because he's only 13. And God is saying, I'm going to send you as a prophet to the nations. He says, ah, Lord, behold, I cannot go. I'm 13. I've still got homework. <laughs> I've got to feed the hamsters, I've got chores to do, and I've got homework. I, I didn't even have a girlfriend. And God's like, do not say I am just a youth. And the Bible says, and the Lord reached forth his hand, put forth his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth, and he says, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now have a look at verse 10. I've put my words in your mouth. See. I have this day, come on, what does it say? I have this day set you over. What, what, what changed that day? God put his words in his mouth. The devil does not want God's word in your mouth. You are the most powerful people on the planet when God's word is in your mouth. Do, do not think that the, the mask mandate was just about slowing the spread. The, the, the agenda behind, and we see it in the censorship with Twitter, with Facebook, with the social media, is to silence not just conservative voices that they, that they call extremists after nine months of destroying our cities, but it's, it's actually coming after the church. It's actually coming after because the devil knows that where God's word is not present, wickedness, darkness, chaos runs rampant. 
The Bible says that God saved the word by sending the world, uh, sent, saved the world by sending his word. Jesus was the word became flesh. Whenever God ch changes your life, whenever God changes my life, whenever God changes an area in my life or a community or a city, it is always with his word. His word goes forth and it never returns void. It always accomplishes everything for which it was sent forth. The devil knows that he has no, he has no match against the word of heaven. The devil knows he has no power over the word. That's why when he tempts Jesus after Jesus spends 40 days not eating or drinking and he comes to Jesus at the end of the 40 days and know, knowing that Jesus is hungry, he says, well, you know, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus does something very powerful. He, he unleashes the dynamic duo of the kingdom. He says, listen, devil, it is written. It is written, Logos. The Logos is the written word of God. We build our lives, we tether our lives on it is written. But watch what he does. He says, it is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Words that proceed from the mouth of God. It is written is what God has said. Logos. Rhema is what God is saying. Thus saith the Lord. I need you to understand in the Hebrew, there's no past text. There's present text and future text. When God appears to, to uh, Moses, Moses says, well, who do I tell him has sent me? Well, like, what's your name? And God says, tell them I am who I am has sent you. But in the Hebrew, aye, asha, aye, I am who I am, can also be translated, I will be who I will be. The word has both present, but it also has prophetic. The word has both, when, when, when uh, Pharaoh's daughter pulled Moses out of the, or pulled the little baby, little Hebrew baby out, in the e Egyptian language doesn't have the Hebrew. It doesn't have the same power. It doesn't have present and, and, and prophetic. So she names him Moshe. Moshe in Hebrew means drawn out. She doesn't realize that he's a Hebrew kid. And you may think, you may think, well, I drew him out because that's how they would name their children based on something that, an experience that had happened. So she's saying, well, I'm naming this child because in his past experience, I drew him out of the Nile. But she doesn't realize, no, no, this is God's kid. This is a Hebrew kid. And when you named him Moshe, it is present tense. He's drawn out, but it is also future tense because he's going to come back to Egypt and he's going to draw out over 2 million Israelites from the grip from slavery from Pharaoh because that's how God works. So we need you to understand that uh, the devil doesn't want God's word in your mouth. Three times Jesus defeated the devil by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil backed off and, and waited for an opportune time. Your life can completely transform. My life is not the product of my upbringing. My life is not the product of what my father did do or didn't do, what my mother did do or what my mother didn't do. And God bless them. God bless them. They did the best they could with the knowledge they had. But my life, everything changed when Christ came into my life when I was 18 years of age. And then he began to take me on a journey and I began to discover that when I put this word in my heart and when I put this word in my mouth, it began to do powerful things. 
if you miss anything else I say today, I want you to catch this, that God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in God's mouth because it's God's word. It is, the Bible says the Lord watches over his word to perform it. He reached out and he touched Jeremiah's mouth and he says, this day I set you over nations and kingdoms, over authorities and powers because my word is in your mouth. What is coming out of your mouth? If you're saying, man, oh, my back is killing me. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Man, this will be the death of me. Man, we'll never, have you seen the price of real estate and saying, we'll never get, oh my. Death, you were created to amen. We sing that beautiful song, amen. I, if, you, if you can come into it, because where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. The place of agreement is the place of power. You can either come into agreement with what the doctors have said. You can either come into agreement with what the financial experts have said. You can either come into agreement with what the false prophets are saying, the fake news are saying, or you can come into agreement with the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't need the negative. I don't need the hopeless. I don't need the doom and gloom. I want to see God break out and break through in my life. So we've made a decision that we're going to come into alignment with the Word of God. Elijah said there will not be dew nor rain these years except at my Word because he knew that in his mouth, his words were the very words of God. We don't have time to look at it, but in 1 Kings 18, I think it's from verse 7 to about 11, it says that there's a guy called Obadiah who finds Elijah. And Elijah says to, to Obadiah, he says, go and tell Ahab that I, I'm going to present myself before him. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. He, there is not a nation, there is not a land where he has not hunted for you. Isn't that amazing? Ahab, the king, was hunting for Elijah. The heavens were shut up. There was no dew, no rain. There was just, there was a drought. And Ahab wanted to kill, Ahab, uh, Ahab wanted to kill Elijah. And, and Obadiah says, you, you've heard what I've done. Surely you've heard what I've done. I took a hundred prophets. Jezebel was slaughtering them. She was killing the prophets. She was wiping out the voice of the church. She was banning us from speaking. She was censoring us on big tech and social media. She was cutting off the voices of God in the land. So I took a hundred and I hid 50 in this cave and 50 in that cave and I've been feeding them bread and water. And absolutely, there are some churches that have gone dormant in this time. There are some churches that have gone quiet in this time and, and they're, they're, they're in self-preservation mode. They're, they're eating bread and water in, they've gone dark They've gone off the grid. They're not speaking. But Elijah kept prophesying. Elijah kept speaking. And Ahab was infuriated. He's got to, I've got to snuff this guy out. Because to Jezebel, to the prophets of Baal, now there were 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, which means that as you're surfing the channels, there's 450 Baal channels, there's 400 Asherah channels, and there's only one channel that's actually telling you what heaven is saying. So the whole land is dominated, infected. And he says, there's not a place where he hasn't looked. Isn't it amazing? You can have 850 stations pumping out false news and still the church was a threat. Still Elijah was a threat. Still they're not. Have you noticed they're not happy? Have you noticed they ain't happy until they silence the church? 
until they mute the church. But we refuse to go silently into the night. We refuse. Because watch this. God watches over his word to perform it. You know, I was watching, watching something the other day and it was just really interesting that, you know, how many people know that the, the, the Jews didn't recognize Jesus when he came? Okay, all right, for the rest of you, he didn't, they didn't recognize. So <laughs> right now it's the year 2021. And the reason it's the year 2021 is because 2021 years ago, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, was born, split time in half. So we know that Jesus is the Messiah. And so he split time in half, BC, AD. We know that. They don't know that. So in the Jewish calendar, they go all the way back to, you know, creation. And the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar, it's the year 5781. 5781. And what's very interesting is that very prophetically, the number 80 in Hebrew is the letter Pei and the number one is the letter Aleph. And the reason that that's interesting is because every year the, the Jews know that their, their numbers uh, have uh, a letter, a Hebrew letter attached, which has some prophetic meaning. So right now in Israel, they know that the year is 5781. The last two numbers, 81, eight is pay, one is Aleph. Pay is mouth or speak and Aleph is God. And so the great test in the earth right now is the God speak. The great test on the earth right now is if, if you're wondering what are the globalists doing, if, if you're wondering what's the censorship, the big tech that are, that are occupying, what are they doing? They're trying to snuff out the voice of God. The devil hates the voice of God. He hates the word of God because he is no match towards it. And he will bully you. He will intimidate you. But I got to tell you, the Word of God has worked so magnificently in my life. The healings, the deliverance, the transformation, the redemption, the rescue. My life is a product of His Word. And like Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, I didn't want to preach because I was persecuted. They threw me into a pit and they left me to die in this pit. He says, but, and I didn't want to preach because every time I'd preach, I'd get beat up. I'd get thrown. One time they threw me into a sewer. And they left me there for days, even though I was vomiting. And I, I made a decision, God, I didn't want to preach for you anymore. He says, but I couldn't help myself because your word was like a fire shut up in my bones and I couldn't help but preach it. I'm telling you, whether we're praised or whether we're persecuted is irrelevant. Awaken church, we're going to be a prophetic voice to this generation. May I just suggest to you, Take God's word, put it in your mouth and begin to prophesy. Put the God's word in your mouth. Begin to align with the word of God. Let your amen be found with God's word. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Well, I only touched on point one. Can I give you point two or is it? Because we're already over time. The, the, red, the red numbers are up there. I'm in trouble. Oh, dear Jesus. All right, number two. Let, let me really quickly. Number two. God's original intent is for you to have authority. But number two, God's original intent is for you to have freedom. God's original intent is for you to have freedom. In Genesis 2, God breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and Adam <gasps> becomes a living being. So God gives Adam life. He goes from inanimate to animate. But then God does something beautiful. God takes the man whom he had formed 
and he places him in a garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. You, you and I need purpose. We don't just need to exist. We need purpose. The, the, the number one drive of a human being, and it starts when we're children, if you will lean in and listen to your children, the three letters that are the most common is why. Why? My kids would say, Dad, why is the sky blue? Dad, why? Why? Why can't I have candy before dinner? Why? Why? Why am I here? Why? God wants to give you a what for your why. He takes Adam and he puts him in a garden. of it. You were created to fulfill a divine purpose. The devil will try and lie to you and say your life is insignificant. No one would even miss you if you were gone. The devil is a liar. He will try and tell you you're an accident. He will try and tell you, you know what, you don't got no destiny. Let me tell you, you got a destiny. You got a destiny. My dad told me that I was an accident. I was conceived in the back of his Volkswagen. And he had to marry my mother because he got my mother pregnant. So from a little boy, he told me I was an accident. Then one day when I got saved, God said, your dad may have thought you're an accident, but not me. He says, and don't think I don't have a plan for you. I had nine months to prepare. I knew you were coming and I had a plan and a pur- God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But God puts him in the garden. Now watch this. God puts him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So Adam is tending and keeping all the trees. And then God comes to Adam and says, oh, hey, while you're tending and keeping all the trees, there's one tree you can't eat from. He's like, well, why not? He says, because it's mine. I still need you to tend it. I still need you to keep it. But you can't eat from it. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Why would God, why would God put a tree in Adam's reach that he's not meant to eat from? Why wouldn't he put a moat around it, crocodiles, electric fences? Ah, That's electricity. You know, why wouldn't God? Because, and I need you to hear this. The price that God paid for you and I to have freedom. See, freedom isn't freedom if you don't have the power to choose. Wrong. When I tell Leanne, I love you, it only has meaning because she knows that I've chosen, forsaking all others, I choose you. Proverbs says, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. She knows that that I had a choice and that every day, every week, every month, there are choices. But every week I renew my vow to choose her above everybody else. She feels loved because we have choices. God didn't create you to be a robot. That just, I worship you, Lord, because I don't have a choice. This is how you made me. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, 
You, you, you were create, you were designed. God put a tree, the price that he paid. The price that he, we chose wrong. Adam and Eve chose wrong. Devastation. He had to leave heaven and be crucified. And yet, yet God said, I'm willing to go through crucifixion. I'm willing to go through shame. I'm willing to go through a beating. I'm willing to go through all of that just so that I can afford you free will. Be very, very, very cautious of people that want to take away your freedom. America is greater than any other nation. Oh, you're just saying that because you were, I wasn't born here. Oh, you're just saying that because I was born in Germany, grew up in Australia, lived in New Zealand, now I live here. Let me tell you what makes America greater. It's not the land, it's not the geography, it's not the climate. No other nation has had the freedom, has had the freedom that America had. When, the, when, when uh, Alexander de Tocqueville came from France to America to study America, he said, I looked for America's greatness in her harbours. He said, surely it's in her harbours. It wasn't there. He says, then I thought it must be in her grain. It must be in her produce. And it wasn't there. He said, I went to the quarries and the mountains and I thought surely her greatness must lie in her mineral content. And it wasn't there. He said, I looked all throughout the United States of America for her, for her greatness. He says, and then I found it. He says, I found it in her churches. He says, when I walked into her churches, her pulpits are aflame with fire. Not like the, the, the religion that we have in France. He says, America is great because she is good. Should she ever cease from being good, she will no longer be great. That goodness and that greatness comes because of our freedom. Our founding fathers knew that our, our freedoms don't come from governments. Be very wary of a government that tries to take away or even give you freedom. When they offer you free health care, it's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. And you know who pays for it? You do. No, no, it's free. They told me it's free. Yes, I know. No, I don't have to pay for it. It's free. Yes, yes. But in exchange for the free, you give up your freedom. Our founding fathers said, big government, small freedom. Small government, big freedom. You go to any nation that is a socialist or communist nation, freedom has been removed, innovation, entrepreneurship, removed. Be very, very, God gave us freedom. The last one, number three, it's what I call visioneering. Visioneering. In Joshua 6 verse, verse 1, God says to Joshua, Jericho was tightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out, none came in. And then the Lord said unto Joshua, see, See, for I have given you. See, for I've given Jericho into your hand. When Abraham was in a dilemma, he was 90, his wife was 80. 
And he was blessed, but he said, the person who's going to inherit all my wealth, all my blessing, all my prosperity is a guy called Eliezer, a servant born in my house. And God said, this will not be your heir. Come outside, get out of your tent, look up and count the stars if you are able. Watch this. Before anything changed in Abraham's life, before anything changed in Sarah's womb, something had to change in Abraham's vision. God created you to have authority. He created you to have freedom, but he also created you to see. He created you to, to visioneer. I was speaking with um, uh, Mr. Andre. Andre and Shauna Johnson. Uh, Shauna leads uh, our, our kids' ministry, and Mr. Andre looks after all of our IT stuff. He grew up in the, the projects in Chicago. And he is persecuted because he's done well. And they give him a hard time saying, well, you know, you're in a white man's world, you know. And he's like, literally, they're saying, you should be back here, drug running, doing all the things that you, that, and I'm like, but surely they see you as, as an example, surely. And he says, pastor, the reason they can't get free is because they can't see freedom. He says, the reason they can't succeed is because they can't, They've never seen it. Their daddy, their granddaddy, their great-granddaddy. He says, nothing changes till you see it. You'll find that all the way through the scripture, God takes Jacob and he's asleep on a, with his head on a rock and he has a dream of a ladder going up to heaven with angels ascending and descending upon it. And then God speaks to him and says, all the land that you lie on, I'm giving to you and your descendants forever. And Jacob wakes up and says, my God, how awesome is this place? Surely this is Bethel. Surely this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome. Everything changed in his life when what he saw changed. In this church, I don't care what people say, oh, that awakened church, they preach a prosperity gospel. They, I could, I'm happy to take the bullets all day because I love you too much to just say, hey, every week what we do is we get people saved and that's it. Now, we get people saved all the time. But my job is to, to empower you. A good shepherd wants to see the sheep flourish. And I want to see you flourish. And I need you to understand that you have authority. When God's word is in your mouth, you are penultimate in power and authority. That God created you to have freedom. He created you to have freedom. That's why tether yourself to good people. Tether yourself to the house of God. But then the third one, God created you to visioneer. That until your vision changes, nothing changes. You've got to see breakthrough. You've got to see blessing. You know, I love Jake Shooty saying, man, we, we had our dream, we sold it. But then the one that will believe in God, how did he recognize it? Because he saw it. He saw it. You've got to see it before you see it. Did you know in this life you have to see it before you see it? Because if you can't see it, you won't see it. Does that make sense? You've got to see it before you see it. The Holy Spirit does this. I'm finishing now. The Holy Spirit does this. He will take your hand. How many people know that He's your helper? The Holy Spirit's your helper. And you know what He does? He's prophetic. He, he, he and the Father live outside of time. So He will take you and He'll, if you let Him, He'll step you into your future to show you what can be.
And at first you look and go, oh my gosh, that's, that's impossible. That's not, I know who I am. I know my, but he doesn't give you a future based on your past. He doesn't give you a future based on your experience. He doesn't give you a future based on your skills. He doesn't give you a future based on your ability. He gives you a future based on his power. He gives you a future based on his purpose. He gives you a future based on his operating in your life. And all he's looking for you is to say, Lord, I believe. When Abraham at 90 and Sarai at 80, God says, from her body, she's going to bring forth. Her body when she was young was broken. Now she's 80. It is dead beyond dead. And yet the Bible says, and Abraham believed God. He chose to believe the vision. I want you to know that God's greatest days are in front of you, not behind you. He will prosper you. He will flourish you. He'll break chains and bust ceilings off your life, knock down walls around you. If today you allow him to show you and then you just come into alignment and believe. Come into alignment, speak. Come into alignment, freedom. And come into alignment, believing. Come on, do you receive that this morning? Amen. Come on, if you receive that, give God a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Would you just close your eyes? I have to pray. Otherwise, they're never having me back. But I only get here so often, so I have to bend the rules a little bit. Father, I thank you for these beautiful sons and daughters, these beautiful people. If you're disconnected from God, friend, the reason that you're here today is to reconnect or get connected. Maybe you grew up with God. But the world just has a, such a strong magnetic pull that'll pull you away any chance and every chance it gets. And today you're away from God or far from God, or maybe it's some sin separating you from God. Maybe it's guilt and shame. I want you to today come back to God, draw near to God. The Bible says if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. If you're just needing today God to come close to you, you just feel far. If you're any one of those categories, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, would you raise a hand? I'm going to say a prayer for you as I, I close. Thank you up there. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Just say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Would you say a prayer for me? Absolutely, I will. Thank you. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand, darling. Is there one more? I'm out of time. We need, we're going to play a compassion video in just a moment. But I said, one more, thank you up the back. I see that hand. Thank you. And I still feel like there's someone else. God's tugging on your heart. Who is that person? Would you say, hey, pastor, that's me. That's me. I've been running from God. I need to run to God. Who is that one? Thank you, darling. I see that hand. Thank you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, can we all say these words out loud? Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so love me. You sent Jesus your only son, on a rescue mission to save my life. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to break the power of sin and the devil over my life. Today I am free, free to choose, and I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.